Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hello, crazy birds. I hope you are doing well wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast. Please let me know, like go on Insta or Twitter or wherever it is that you're following me as well. And just tell me where you're listening from. Would be great to actually know. Today's episode is quite a unique one. You might be hearing a few things in the background. It is because our guest from today is actually based in Ukraine, in Kiev. So there was a few internet interruptions and sometimes where you might hear the sound might be. But yeah, the, the majority of it sounds perfect. So just a big thank you for her to actually being able to take the time to speak to me. And yeah, I am very excited about this one because this is like future in farming, which, you know, I'm very passionate about as well. Our guest today is the head of customer success manager at EOS Data Analytics, which is a global provider of AI-powered satellite imagery analytics. And during this episode, we talk about how satellites and AI can actually revolutionize the agriculture industry, reduce food and water waste. And we also took a deep dive on how these systems actually work and how some of these communities around the world has actually benefited from this technology. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Lena Yarish. Oh, thank you for welcoming me <laughs> and inviting me, Mariska. You're most welcome. It's really great having you here. And just for our podcast listeners, we've actually spoke to, spoke about it just a little bit uh, before we hit that record button, that you are actually based in Ukraine, in Kiev at the moment. Guys, if you hear certain stuff, there's definitely no sound effects on this podcast. So yeah, we are definitely thinking about you guys and what you are going through at this point. So you've got on honest, all of our crazy birds are behind you guys and supporting you. So um, yeah, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time during these like circumstances to actually, you know, talk to our crazy birds and to, yeah, to me. Yeah, sure. Like, thank you for your support. We feel the support from all over the world, you know, from all the customers that we work with. And this is like really important for us. Yeah, but I'm here like to talk about things like more peaceful things, great things about space related things. So let's talk about that. So Lena, how did your sustainable journey actually start? So the company was actually founded back in 2015, like US data analytics company, but and a founder is from Ukraine, Max Polakov, who is like doctor and has PhD. And he invested a lot in space-related projects and US data analytics is actually a space-related project. We started with analyzing satellite data imagery from different satellites that are 
available and providing insights, ready-made feedbacks for agriculture and forestry. This is our main focus at the moment and other industries as well. So we digest this data and we provide something understandable, some, some kind of advice for fertilizer management, irrigation management and other things. We develop several platforms and the solutions that we develop, they're dedicated for agriculture, about climate change and everything. And that's where we started from. Oh, awesome. And Lena's personal sustainable journey. How about you? How What, what got you into what you're doing as well? <laughs> oh, yeah, this is like an exciting question because um, if talking about me personally, of course, I'm into this and I'm like, I'm managing the team here in the company, like I'm a head of customer success, and I'm making sure that the products that we develop, they like satisfy the needs of our customers. And of course, like our company aligned with 10 out of 17 UN sustainability goals, actually. And my point here is always looking in the direction like of those sustainability goals. Are we developing the right solution? Uh, do, they, do these solutions really help to tackle some uh, climate change challenges? Do we really think about like some challenges in forestry and agriculture? Do they really help like solve uh, fertilizer management challenges? So it's really important to always have this goal in mind and like point your team in this direction that we're not just developing features for for the sake of features, but actually they really help, like customers really make decisions based on the data that they see. And another thing is like, whether they can interpret this data in the right way to make the decision based on that. Personally, like my input, I am making sure that the product that we develop is a good fit for customers. And it actually helps, you know, to manage application of fertilizers or irrigation management or like help with uh, detecting some uh, vulnerable parts of the fields or something. And this is my role in this picture. And has that helped you also to like look at your own personal life and think like, oh, how can I reduce my own waste, you know, at home or how you think about, you know, sustainability outside of the office and in your personal life as well? Like, how did that sustainable journey start for you, you personally as well? Here, like I'm involved in uh, wastage recycling, like I do this every day and this is something when I had my job interview here in the company, I go, okay, guys, do you recycle? You know, <laughs> first question. And of course, of course, we do everything possible at the local level in the office. And I do that. I'm trying like not to buy uh, food uh, with uh, packaging, a lot of packaging or something. And we do have internal discussions, like sharing experience. How can, how can you reduce the wastage of food and everything? and like just live more sustainable, sharing some life hacks. So, of course, personally, I, I, I'm trying to follow that, even though in Ukraine, it, it's pretty difficult. The infrastructure is not so developed. So you sometimes you have to pay to have it recycled or you have to bring it somewhere. You know, it takes time and efforts here, but we're, we're trying to do that. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, we've kind of touched a, a little bit on what you guys as a company actually do. And I just want to make sure that I say the name correctly. So it's EOS Data Analytics or EOSDA. 
if you have to like sum up in a nutshell, what exactly is EOS data analytics? As I mentioned, we are working with satellite data analytics. The philosophy that stands behind that is actually aligns with Vladimir Vernatsky, who, who was considered to be like a cosmic prophet. Back then, like when nobody was in the space yet <laughs> and uh, no satellites were there in the orbit, he invented noosphere. He's not invented, he developed his vision on this, like noosphere. This is like evolutionary step of a biosphere, like uh, of uh, biogeochemical processes that are united, that are happening on Earth. And he said that the noosphere is a combination, unique combination of these biogeological processes that are happening and the human reason, human brain and uh, technical uh, progress and development together. So they cannot be separated and actually human reason is a driven force for the develop for the sustainable development of humanity and environment in total so he says no sphere is something where you cannot divide the technology and a human reason and the, like geological processes that happen on on, uh, on earth and the space related things and that's what we're actually doing and, and following. We have a team of uh, research and development team. We're cooperating with universities, developing uh, solutions for agriculture. We have three out-of-box products, like for agriculture, for forestry and image analytics, where you can download uh, satellite imagery and get ready-made sites and recommendations what you should do with fertilizers, irrigation management for forestry, detect deforestated areas, for example, in the light of illegal deforestation processes that are happening or fire uh, hazards that are happening all over the world. So it's something that helps you to spot these areas and also just analyze images. So it's basically like AI algorithms as well that's kind of working with the system. Yes, of course. So this is AI algorithm, for example. We do have solutions for yield prediction or modeling like for the future. If you have a field, for example, and you want to know what is the best crop rotation for this field, shall I plant soybean or corn or wheat there? So we can model this and tell you what is the model yield for that. Or we can classify crops from space, like using a satellite data, we can define, okay, this kind of crop is growing here and there. So this is something that helps government, global food production organizations classify and understand the crop availability, like how many hectares of corn is available within this area, like state or country or wherever. So satellites are actually like the most scalable solution that exists on the market. You cannot cover everything with just ground truth data, you know, with your eyes and the scouting fields and everything. That's definite slow. So, yeah, artificial intelligence help, help us scale it. So, for example, if I know that corn is growing on these 10 fields, then I can scale up it with the satellite images. So we'll say, okay, learn the patterns of corn and then distribute them to other fields and try to find these patterns in the other fields and tell us where corn grows like other cornfields are. That's amazing. And I mean, my family in South Africa actually farm and my sister is also a specialist in farming and assisting farmers to, you know, help them do this, but she does this manually. And it's actually so ironic. A couple of months ago, she told me she had to go and get soil samples 
and getting those soil samples for her. She's in the middle of Zambia trying to get these soil samples and they actually had to walk for two days to get into some of these lands because you can't drive there by car, you can't drive there by tractor. You know, it's like really, really insane where some of these places are. And I was just like telling her about what you guys are doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, you could have skipped this hiking process and just like use this. So it's definitely something that I feel a lot of farmers, a lot of actual people from all over the world can benefit from that because it's not just like you said, for agriculture, there's other specific uses of this. So it's definitely something that is going to be in the future, we're going to use this. And, you know, fast forward a hundred years, I think we're probably going to look back on this conversation. I'm not sure whether we're going to be there or not, (laughs) hopefully. But, you know, we're just going to be like, oh, I can't believe like, you know, a hundred years ago, people were still actually taking samples like this. So it's definitely something for the future. How do you think this will help us to actually reduce like food waste? Because at the moment, you know, uh, here where we where we are now in Australia, we've just had so many floods. One of the things that has happened that was so devastating is some of the fields where they were growing garlic and everything totally flooded, like the entire crop is just gone. So obviously, you know, with global warming and things, we, we're going to see see a lot of more floods and food waste in a way like, you know, obviously the entire crop is gone. But how do you think this system can actually help us to reduce our food waste? Yeah, this is a good question. Like they say, and I and I believe it, that the third of all food of all food produced is wasted. And in development countries, about 50 percent of this happens during like the supply chain. Of course, like satellite imagery, they play indirect role in uh, reducing food wa- wastage because we're providing a solution, a scalable solution, you know, to understand where you w- where you lose this uh, food and something to measure. And if you can measure, you can control. And for example, 15% of, of food produced around the world is lost during harvest operations. And for example, crop monitoring platform where you can find satellite imagery throughout your vegetation development of your plant, like from the from sowing to harvesting. For example, big companies, big food production production companies that had around 10,000 hectares, 50,000 hectares, which is a lot. And some of them, you cannot access them on time. And you need to have this helicopter view picture to understand which field, for example, is ready for harvesting. And from this, managing your harvesting strategy and plan it from there. So, for example, rice fields or wheat fields, you can understand this part of fields is ready for harvesting. Because, for example, when you grow wheat, you have several days to have harvesting done. It lets not dry and uh, and fall off, you know. From this perspective, our platform helps to understand when the field is ready for harvesting. And, of course, uh, there are a lot of, like, IoT scenes and tools and uh, hardware that helps to do it in a quality way. That's a really interesting thing. If we look at what I would consider like more factory farming, more the main scale big, you know, we do like one crop or not more than one normally. You know, a lot of those factory farms actually account for about 37% of the methane emissions. So that's whether it is the farming that they 
farm corn to actually feed the cattle, you know, to then in fact feed people. <laughs> so all of those things, it just caused so much methane. And when we then just waste it, because a lot of these things just goes to waste, that's even just like for me so much more harmful than food waste for me as an actual, I absolutely hate <laughs> wasting food and I'm always like trying to see so I can imagine as a farmer you obviously don't want to have food waste because that means that is revenue that is being wasted because it's actual food that could have been sold and now there's no way around it so yeah definitely I think you know there's quite a lot of benefits on having this and one of the things that I know, you know, like my family always struggle with sometimes is obviously with the insurance companies, because maybe some of our crazy birds don't know this, but for a lot of the bigger farmers, they will have insurance on their crops because obviously this is their livelihood. Anything can happen from a fire, a hailstorm, a flood, and your entire crop is gone, which means, you know, you don't get an income from that specific area. Even if that's your only means of income, then that means that is zero for that uh, season. Insurance does play quite a big role for a lot of farmers. Like, how do you think a system like this will actually benefit the farmer as well as the insurance company? I recently just came from the agri-insurance conference in Georgia, where all the players were together and uh, discovering the future of insurance together with satellite technology. And that's really so. Insurance is diving deeper into satellite data because satellite data gives you transparent picture for both players like insurance and uh, farmers who are in the chain. And the good thing, like previously you had like only yield-based insurance. I mean, if you lose yield, you got to pay out. At the moment, satellite data allows us to get payouts even earlier, you know, in the middle of the vegetation stage where some weather in events, unfavorable weather events happened. For example, soil moisture. When you start sowing campaign, it's important to have some specific level of soil moisture. And if it drops down below the threshold, that is important for you can clearly understand that you won't give this kind of yield in the end. And maybe the payout, if the farmer gets a payout right now, they can invest it into a sowing campaign, for example, to save the yield. For example, canola at the flowering stage, if there is some specific level of heat, you know that you will lose the yield in the end. So why should a farmer wait to see the yield loss if you, if they can get a payout, knowing that canola has been under heat stress already? And it's really so. And, and they call it like index-based insurance or parametric when you consider the parameters that you get from satellite or weather data that happened in the middle of the season, and you can get your payout when this event already happened. This is something shared between the insurance manager where they can assess the damage with the satellite imagery sometimes, underwriters, those that go into the fields, insurance managers that go into the fields and estimate and assess the insurance event that happened. They don't have to go into the field because they have the imagery, they can check it. Because it's clearly visible on the image that uh, the vegetation has dropped. Of course, there is a definitely future in combination of insurance technology and satellite technology because this has given you transparency between a farmer who is usually, you know, uh, they don't really trust insurance <laughs> com companies. And, and this <laughs> All is the true. banks. 
<laughs> yeah, or the banks or the government. Uh, and it happens, the lack of trust uh, is something common for every, like different level, but for every country. And this is something that gives the, them, okay, proofs from the space, like <laughs> objective ones. That's something really quite cool and exciting that I'm looking forward to. Now, I know there's probably a lot of farmers thinking like, wow, you know, that will really be a game changer to what they currently have. Because, you know, I can remember so many conversations with the insurance guy coming to the farm and checking the land and then evaluating. And then, you know, there's never a hundred percent thing. So yeah, so that, that will be really a game changer coming from food waste going to like water waste how can this system actually help us to reduce our water waste actually satellite technology they can monitor both like the quality and quantity quantity of water so they have specific bands like specific technology that allows us to understand if the water has any toxic materials we're not dealing with this, but whether it's possible, we're more about checking the water availability. So to detecting like water resources, we can detect if there are any underground leaks, uh, which is almost impossible to detect using old infrastructure or something. So, but it's possible to do with the satellites. Also, you can monitor the drought dynamics. So, uh, for example, there is a specific radar satellite that penetrates the soil cover around like five centimeters deep. They can tell you what is the water content in there, like moisturizing of the soil. And this is really important for developing countries like Africa or India. They don't have so many weather stations, like, for example, comparing to U.S. And, and Canada, where like they have a lot of weather stations and they can use data from there. And this satellite gives you 250 meter resolution, which is like very, like really high. And uh, from there, you can see the dynamic starting like from 2005 or something how it changes like where like is there any drought stressed areas or or something and that's how you can also manage your irrigation strategy from there and also another thing modeling that different crops have different uh, water consumption capacity so means if you put some water, like the plant, corn or wheat, will take as much water as they need and other water will be just wasted. So it's very important uh, to manage this wisely and understand how much water does corn or wheat need and give them as much as they need and no more. And this is about modeling. All these irrigation strategies and modern hardware for irrigation and software for that is based on soil moisture content or precipitation level or something. So it's, that's how the satellite imagery work. There's so many things from that agriculture perspective that I guess, you know, with time, when you've got all this data, you've got AI, you know, you know, if there's any water wastage or anything that it really just becomes easier to maintain your crop and not have to rely on um, all of these like fertilizers and to over fertilize or, you know, to use all of these harsh chemicals just to keep your crops alive or make sure that you maximize on your yield. Because, you know, a lot of the times bigger farmers would use GMO crops so um, that they can get a higher yield from that. In the end, you know, that a lot of these farmers are 
in there because in the end, that's where they get their salaries or well, they, they pay from. So they want to get the most as possible. So is this like affecting how you guys would then, or the farmers would then use these certain chemicals and fertilizers? This is about measuring. That's what I'm talking about. We're given instrument to measure. For example, zoning, there is uh, for variable rate application. So before, like you have a field and you apply the same amount of fertilizers all over the field. Precision agriculture tells you, okay, so, but have you tried to, to divide your field into productivity zones? Maybe this part of your field gives the maximum potential of yield kind of, uh, that, that you can get. And this part of the field is less productive and gives you like less uh, yield. So why should you fertilize the part of the field that ha- that is like using the full potential of yield production, but maybe you just need to fertilize this part of field that is not giving you enough yield or you're having a zone where uh, with really low productivity index like that doesn't give you yield so probably you don't have to fertilize it like this zone at all because it doesn't make sense because of the terrain specifics or whatever so and these instruments divide your field into these zones and you research investigate these zones like what to optimize their productivity that's why you not you do not apply fertilizers all over your field, but but just to a specific zone. That's definitely something that you know is worth looking into in the future. And Lena, in the beginning, we kind of you know touched a bit on deforestations and things as well. That you guys is one of one of the three things that you mentioned. And I mean, at the moment, the loss of forest you know contributes to about seventeen percent of the annual global greenhouse gas emissions. How will this system assist in forest monitoring? Forest monitoring, this is actually a tool that we've developed a platform. This is like the youngest child. So it helps to monitor the changes within forest cover as legal as illegal ones and monitor the health of the forests as well. And we're going to, to develop it. So yeah, we have several projects that soon will be published uh, for um, carbon credits that are very popular at the moment all over the world, like related to forestry and agriculture and everything. So I think like measuring, so we are moving in the direction of measuring the availability of the CO2 within like forests and everything. So this is like the next step. For us here in Australia, it's, it's really important, you know, when you look at forests and things, and with Brazil as well, I mean, the rainforest there, it, the Amazon is kind of seen as like the lungs of the planet and illegal forestation happens so often. But, you know, in the last couple of years, we've been really seeing a lot of like bushfires happening. And if you've got quite a big property I mean, here in Australia, like, you know, if you've got quite a large land, you would not necessarily be able to look at your entire property every single day. You know, uh, you will most probably not have staff that is looking at your property every single day. So if in case something like a bushfire happens, you know, somewhere on your property, would this kind of, you know, with time, like almost like notify you if something might happen or there might be a danger zone because of all the satellites and systems? Would that be something that could be in the future? 
Yeah, right. So uh, alarms and uh, that that led there are some areas with potential danger that the fire will happen here, like some that the temperature is higher here than than the usual, and you get this alarm. So check check this area. What's happening there? The revisit of satellite imagery at the moment is not so frequent. Like uh, of course everybody expects them to be almost uh, real time, but it's not so. For fire, detecting like uh, fire threats and everything, it's very important to make it on time. The satellite imagery doesn't allow us that, but that's where we are moving for like, for example, launching our own satellite, we want to improve the frequency of that imagery. But of course, the future in like 20 years or something from now, from now on, we'll have them in real time. But even, even so far, following and monitoring like uh, the the forests around the world like it, it helps us to make the right decisions and at least spot those illegal cuttings and one like actually case that came to my mind which is like that has very um, interesting chain event you know like of consequences like we were doing social case in ecuador actually where in april 2020 oil spill happened it was one of the largest spills, oil spills in Ecuador in the last uh, 15 years. And like around uh, 16,000 barrels were lost and uh, 360 kilometers of river have been polluted. It happened because of the river erosion er- erosion that happened to this uh, Coca River. Three pipelines were broken in the place because of the erosion and then the terrain changed and, and they were broken. And then when they come up to the question, like why the erosion happened that caused this pipeline uh, breakage, they said, oh, that's because the forests were cut off uh, to for agricultural purposes. And uh, we helped uh, those activists in Ecuador to understand how actually the situation changed in uh, Ecuador. So we took uh, satellite imagery and we noticed that before 2020, like a lot of deforested areas appeared there because uh, people that live there, they just cut off trees to plant like agricultural crops there and for them it's it, it's like the matter of uh, survive and uh, so they don't understand the consequence of, of what they are doing but still it's, it's not taking responsibility from these oil production companies because they also satellite technology allows you to monitor possible danger of uh, this pipeline breakage and everything and you can see how everything is connected. You cut off forests, there is river erosion. River erosion causes like the pipeline breakage. And then many people and many, like more than 600 species are affected by this. That's amazing. And it's really, it's it's actually scary to think how all of these little things that, you know, sometimes we think is a little thing actually has this ripple effect on so many other things that does cause something a lot bigger chaos and issues. So yeah, goodness. Well, that's definitely something that I think is worth watching and seeing, you know, the the better this technology becomes, the more it can actually be used as a tool to use and to kind of, you know, get the most out of it and also to protect our forest and our water make sure that, you know, food waste does not happen as much as it does. But Lena, when will like your first satellite be launched? Yeah, it's like December 22nd. It's going to be like agri-related satellite. 
just for agri-related purposes with the specific technical characteristics. I won't dive deep in that. That will allow us to do better modeling, better prediction of yield. And of course, we expect to cover like 100% of agricultural lands and forest lands by 2025. So it's going to be seven satellites. So it's a constellation. But we'll start with the first one. The next year, we'll have two more on the orbit. And so just for agricultural purposes and uh, just to focus on this. So how does it work if like, obviously, you guys send out some satellites and other people send out some satellites like are we going to have a space full of satellites and from different organizations or like, can you maybe just tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah. So you, you may have some governmental initiatives and uh, private initiatives. Our ones is a private one, but one, but of course you have to uh, align it with those space related agencies. I'm not also like really uh, technical in that, but once you get a permissions, you have all the certifications of all the tests that uh, and probations that satellites have uh, come through, trajectory that is calculated and uh, aligned with the other space-related companies that have their satellites there in the orbit. And then, of course, it's like it's like huge process. And then you launch it. So that's basically what I know. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it's definitely, there's a massive process behind it. It's not like with a drone that I can just get a drone, buy a drone, take the remote and just fly it up, you know, so it's not, <laughs> it's not like no, that. <laughs> everything should be aligned with all the players of like of, of, of the space and everything. <laughs> that's great. Previously, Lena, you kind of mentioned that, you know, you guys are, as a company, very focused on meeting the UN sustainability development goals. For our crazy birds, that's going like ooh, UN sustainability goals. Like if you guys rewind back to episode 46 of the podcast, I actually covered like each of them in depth. So if you don't know what they are, you can go and have a listen there. <laughs> for you, like Lena, kind of why, why would you say this was really important for you guys to kind of meet, you know, some of these goals? And I think you said you, you guys are meeting about 10 of the 17. Yeah, so we do believe that we have aligned everything that we do with the players in the world because those uh, sustainability goals were created for everyone to follow and do everything possible, you know, to make the environment and and, then life of of people easier. So far, we focus more on climate action and responsible consumption and production goals at the moment. When we are saying we align with these goals, or it means that either we already developed some problems that directly or indirectly affects them, or we're going to develop them and like kind of we are working on them, the research department. And uh, of course, uh, US SAT, satellite that we're going to launch plays a key role in preventing climate change and uh, satisfying global food demand. Like by pro- it's going to be providing insight for smart farm management. Of course, it's like the technical combination of bands of the satellite will help us to diminish the carbon dioxide emissions and like develop some sustainable agriculture methods and everything. So at the moment, this is like climate action, as I mentioned, like food consumption, so responsible food consumptions. And other ones like clean water and sanitation, affordable and clean energy and 
like some industry innovation and infrastructure because we are not only really working in agriculture but like in oil and gas and mining and other industries so yeah that that's uh, pretty it and we're not only like developing the solutions and the product itself but as i mentioned we do have some initiatives the one that i told you was was the oil spill in the amazon river another one was in uh, chad this is like country in africa this country is really vulnerable because of weather events uh, driven by climate change. They, uh, one of the challenges, for example, is the rise of the temperature. And with Chad's annual temperatures have increased by 0.7 Celsius degrees since 1960s. And it's like keeping increasing all the time. And it's like it causes like dramatical changes uh, to the climate, weather and especially causes a lot of problems for farmers and uh, to their ways to manage uh, food production and everything. And yeah, I think around 250,000 people were affected by this. And this causes like the droughts and uh, constant degradation of soil and lower productivity and it decreases biodiversity. As a result, it drives like human aggression and uh, there were quarrels between these uh, societies that lived there and they're trying to keep doing farming the way they, they were doing. One of the society activists there, they came up to, my, to us and asked us, okay, maybe we can do something with that because the weather is so unpredictable and uh, we like lacking resources and some knowledge. So what we did, we took satellite imagery and helped them map uh, objects uh, all over their area, like schools, villages, churches, hospitals, water pumps and towers, so so they can know the closest accessibility for water, uh, ponds, uh, Cadillacs, like vegetation areas, cattle corridors. So those communities, they can know what kind of resources are located so they don't have internal fights between them for these resources. That is the way we're trying also somehow be involved in social projects, not only like in the commercial part of developing products and everything. So we're trying to find like many institutions, I mean, like educational institutions uh, come up to us and, and ask some help for with the satellite imagery analytics. And that's what we do for them. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing an absolute amazing job and I'm definitely going to keep on following what you guys are doing. Hopefully on the 22nd of December, we can see that satellite launch and uh, just like, you know, continue seeing you guys grow from strength. So Lena, what has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? Yeah, I think this is like uh, personally, this is recycling, something that is like very difficult to do being where I am at the moment. Um, and uh, as a company, this is, of course, like understanding that we can really help the earth, that we are developing something that really that helps to manage like fertilizers uh, application and irrigation, have better irrigation strategies and everything. So... And it's actually something that inspires. Every time when we have team meetings with the product team that are responsible for the development, marketing team, we know 
what exactly we focus on. And every time when we want, when we are distracted, we always get back knowing that, okay, these are the sustainability goals and this is important. This where that's what we should develop. I love that. Hey, crazy birds. We are just taking a quick break before heading into the final five. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that has already rated and reviewed us on the platforms, wherever it is that you're listening to. Thank you so much. It really helps other people to find the podcast and also join our crazy bird tribe. One of the people that has given us a five-star review is Jenny from the US. And she actually said, great listen, so fun and educational. This is a great listen for us eco mamas. I really enjoyed this episode on her NFT to get eyes on her sustainability effort. It's so good. Thank you so much, Jenny. And thank you everyone for like listening. And if you have not yet left us a review, please do. I would really appreciate it. And who knows, maybe your review could be read out next on the podcast. So let's dig right back into that final five. What is one social media account or publication that you follow? Maybe World Fund. Uh, this is like a European Climate Tech uh, Association that invests in startups or in energy sector, food and agriculture, manuf- manufacturing. So I follow them to see, okay, what like bright minds have invented like for the sake of Mama Earth. <laughs> oh, awesome. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? I hope and I believe in, I think that all the initiatives, like the global ones that we were talking about, like sustainable goals that we have or the Paris uh, Agreement uh, in like that was made back in 1995, if I'm not mistaken, by combating the global warming, for example, they will work eventually. So it seems like when you're just one player out of many and you're doing something like very small steps and we understand this even like being a company here but we're moving really slow and making small steps to the sustainable future still i hope in 2030 or in 2050 to see that we really like reduce uh, greenhouse emission or we uh, like uh, below two degrees celsius like the temperature like uh, grows. So I want these sustainable goals to be working and not just being for the sake of sustainable goals. I love that. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week that they can actually do to help out Mama Earth? This is adoption of technology. At the moment, like as a company I represent, we develop this technology, but also a lot of things stands behind the human's curiosity. I would like to, I don't know, ask, farmers and other participants of food production chain to pay more attention to the technology that hap- that, that happen around, not to be very skeptical, like they, are, they won't work. They will work one day. They already work, maybe not the way you expect. And uh, try to adopt them, try to get used, change your, change your daily routine that you used to with the new technology because they are working and they will be working. So be open-minded to everything that is like happening on the market and have this natural curiosity to discover new things. Oh, that's so, so true. I absolutely love that. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people that are not yet on a sustainable journey? 
For example, between 1990s and 2015, the world lost a forest area the size of South Africa. This is something that you should know. It's a lot. And those are like legal, mostly those are illegal cuttings, of course. And I think when you when you say that, like, we are not capable, I'm just a human, you know, like, I cannot change something. Think about this, like, because uh, do something, like, just just have your head in this direction of changing something, do minor things, because we experienced dramatic changes for the last period of time. Yeah, that's that's a shocker. Wow, that's um, so true. And Lena, where can people actually find you? Me <laughs> and the company. <laughs> and the company you can find on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, blog, our company's blog, like many social cases and just case studies are published there. So yeah, I, I'll share the links afterwards. <laughs> awesome. I will link all of those links up for our crazy birds in the show notes. Lena, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show and for sharing what you guys are doing. I'm really looking forward to actually seeing this technology developed and for more people to try it out and adapt from what they are currently doing. Thank you very much, Mariska, for inviting me. It was great experience talking about this here. You're welcome. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best way to get in contact with me would probably be a DM on Instagram. You can either send it to my personal, which is at Zero Waste Mariska, or the podcast, which is at Mama Earth Talk, or send me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.